let this thing run on through and get on out. Let the flu shot do better than they're saying it's going to do. Amen. I took the, I got the flu shot. Got the t-shirt. All right. If then. Started this last week, man, I'm telling you, as I've been studying for the weeks coming up, I'm excited. I'm excited if we can grab hold of, of what God's saying to us. Uh, usually it's my beautiful wife up here to, to pray me in, um, but she is at a volleyball tournament with my third child in Nashville this morning. So let's just go to the, uh, go to the Lord together in prayer. Father, we just coming here, come in here today, Lord, um, acknowledging your greatness. Out of our mouths we're confessing that you are our God. We are your children. Lord, we just confess this morning out of our mouth that we love you and that we're going to serve you and that we're going to follow you. Holy Spirit, come and fill us this morning. Holy Spirit, come and teach us this morning. And Lord, let the word of the Lord be uh, proclaimed from Church on the Hill today up on this mountaintop. Just ask that the word of the Lord would come to your church over this community today. Over Allgood, over uh, Baxter, over Monterey, um, over Cookville. Lord, let the spirit of God fall upon this, this city, this area. And Lord, let your anointing just be um, almost too much to take. Be so heavy that, Lord, it's almost too much to take. Take us right to that edge, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want to encourage you just for a minute. You don't have to go to the bottom in order to get help. Wherever you are right now, you can receive help. I want you to know that the, the vision that the Lord has given me as your pastor is that Church on the Hill be a place of hope. Thank you. The Church on the Hill be a place of hope. And what I mean is, is that we come in here with real issues and that you could leave here with the next step. You may not have every answer, but you leave here with the next step, the next step out of what you're in, the next step pushing through what you're in, the next step up that mountain that you need to conquer, that you come into the presence of the Lord and receive hope. And as you start to get hope and as you start to rebuild and start to get momentum, that you find your purpose. Because so many times our, cons our, our circumstances um, blind us from our purpose. So kind of a twofold thing here at Church on the Hill is that we receive hope. Does anybody here need hope today? I need hope. But I also need to get my focus off of my circumstance. Let the Lord help me in my circumstance and get focused on what my purpose is. Because God has a purpose for you. Here in the church, in our community, in your job, in your marriage, you have purpose. You are valuable. Every one of you. Happy birthday, Joanna. Bless you. God loves you. <laughs> Don't anybody tell me when your birthday is because I'll, I'll embarrass you. Okay. If then, little quote here from Desmond Tutu. If you're neutral in situations of neutrality, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. Let that one sink in. There is no neutral. God hates in the middle. Either be hot or cold. Be refreshing hot or be refreshing cold. If not, he's going to vomit you out of his mouth. Be one or the other. Get on a side. Somebody stand up. Amen? All right. 
We're continuing to look at if then. Last week, um, as we started, we started at the beginning that if you will choose the Lord, if you will choose Him as your Lord and Savior, then, and we gave this, uh, I gave a, a lot of great reasons why you need to receive Christ. If you need that message, go back and download that. It's for free on the web at our, at our website, icoth.com. But I was studying at this volleyball thing yesterday. I went yesterday. Elizabeth and I kind of tag team it. She does it on Sundays. I do it on Saturday. And as I was typing out, I'm a few, trying to get a few weeks ahead to be thinking this thing through. And as I was typing it out, I realized, and this is such an elementary statement, if you don't fulfill the if, there's no need to go to the then. There is no then. If we don't do the if, there is no then. So you're going to see as we go down this road that it, as we read these encouraging scriptures, the funny thing is the church knows the then, they just don't know the if. We like to stand on, I'm the head and not the tail, I'm above and not beneath, I'm blessed in the city and blessed in the country. I mean, I can rattle that stuff off like crazy. If the fruit won't fall off its vine until it's time and that the Lord's going to bless my harvest and the work of my hands are going to be blessed. And man, I, can, I know the blessing scriptures, but what scripture goes before it? What's the if? Because there's an if before all those blessings. And I want you to know the if is more important than the then. Don't worry about the then. The then will come. So, all right. If is more important than the then. Without the if, there is no then. Amen. That rhymed. Thank you, Cindy. So, I want to be looking as we do this if then as what are we facing today as a church? What are we facing in marriages? What are we facing individually? So, it brought me to this question. I thought to myself, why should I forgive you? Yeah, I was looking at Zach. Why should I forgive you? Everybody comes to church, and I know everybody wants to crawl under. I mean, you're probably ready to crawl under your pew right now. Oh, no, forgiveness. But let's just ask the question, why should I do it? Why should I forgive you? What's the point? Well, let me just say, I don't want to. Nothing in me wants to. <coughs> it's not my first reaction. It's not even my last reaction. It's not in there. I don't want to do it. I've been hurt. Everyone's supporting my side. I'm the victim. It's their fault. Right? Think about it. When you just start thinking about the, the forgiveness, the unforgiveness that you're holding, and all the stuff you can pile on, I want you to realize you're carrying that. That load is on you. It's very heavy. It's very consuming. It holds your mind captive. It hinders growth. Joe, I'm ringing up here a little bit. And so on. It's consuming. It's mind, it holds your mind captive. It hinders your growth. And you're holding on to it not them. You're holding it. What does the Bible say about it? The Bible teaches us in Matthew chapter 6 verse 14 that if, everybody say if. Everybody say if. Okay, I know it's early. If you forgive men their trespasses, then 
your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive the men of their trespasses, neither <coughs> will your <coughs> Father forgive your trespasses. I'm having issues. Rita Marie, will you hand me a cough drop? It's in that little cup. If, what? Thank you. If what? If you what? Then what do you, then what? There's a serious cost to unforgiveness. There's a serious cost to you. If I forgive, I'll be forgiven. Next time you face a situation where you want to hold unforgiveness, you need to ask yourself this question. What is this going to cost me? Not what, is, what do I do against the other person. Not how much does it hurt. But what is this going to cost me? Because forgiveness is always the right move. <coughs> What's going on with my throat? Forgiveness frees me. Everybody say, frees me. It frees them. It frees my mind of being mad. It frees me of being frustrated and bitter. It frees my mind <coughs> to think about other things, happy things, edifying things, like raindrops on roses. And whiskers on kittens. And brown paper packages tied up with string. Wouldn't you rather think about that? I don't have many young people. It's hard to get young people here at first service. But for you young people, that's from Sound of Music. Thank you. I'm trying to get some interaction here. When the bee stings. <coughs> I've not coughed at all. It's just now started. I can tell you, somebody needs to forgive. Somebody out there needs to forgive. I take the feelings of unforgiveness and I give them to God. And I release the other person. And you know what happens? I get to move on. I get to move up. I get to move forward, not stay put. Listen to me, church. Forgiveness stops your progress. Forgi uh, I'm sorry. Unforgiveness stops your progress. <laughs> Y'all know what I mean, right? It stops your growth, it stunts your growth. It even stunts and hurts your health. Studies have shown. I sent the staff a, uh, a letter this week on studies that have been done on people that forgive versus people that don't forgive. And you know it's been proven that they are healthier. They even took it to a point where they had them all jump. As dumb as that sounds. And their vertical leap was higher than ones that forgave. And these weren't athletes. These are like you and me. Literally, 
it is a weight being lifted off of you. It's not just a spiritual, mental weight. It is a physical weight that affects you physically. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitterness, no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Anybody here ever had a bitter root grow up in you? It's awful. And it poisons the margins around the problem. It infects the whole body. It starts in one little area, but you know what it affects? It doesn't just affect you. It says it defiles many. It affects your household. It affects your spouse. It affects your kids. It affects your work. It affects your church. It affects everyone that you affect. It's bad. You must remove the source of the infection to remove the infection. How many times do we have an infection under the skin and all we do is put a Band-Aid on it? But if you don't deal with the infection, it will come back, and it will come back worse. You've got to do surgery. You've got to let the Lord do the surgery of what's causing the infection. Don't cover the root, the wound. Remove the root. And church, it's not based on how you feel. It's a choice. You are in control. I am not trying to make you do anything. God is not going to make you do anything. It's your choice to let that go. And it is your benefit. I'm going to read you a pretty lengthy scripture, but I just cannot get, a, get around this. Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Verse 25, since he wasn't able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Now, do you get the picture so far? This man owed such a debt that could have never been repaid. It could have never been repaid. But the master freed him of it. Wiped it clean. And as soon as he got clean, he went out and found a a guy that owed him a small amount. And would not let him go. Verse 29, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Same words that this man had just used. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could could pay back the debt. Verse 31, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him off to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. Let me start at the very beginning at your 
um, your failure to, to reach the level that God requires of us, we, even at the smallest sin that we have, it's such a big debt that we could never repay it. It could never be repaid. But the Lord paid for that price of your sin with his son, Jesus. That's what he provided for you. And this picture that we see here is that out of that forgiveness that the Lord has given us, something that we could never have overcome, not with all the work, not with all the money, not with all the effort in the world that we could ever produce, not with our greatest of talents, as great as we think we are, we could have never paid that debt back. And the Lord said, it's paid in full. I paid for that. Done. That out of that mercy, out of that grace, out of that love, that we would be able to forgive one another. The amount that the Lord forgave us for is this huge thing that could never, nothing on the earth could ever have reached that gift. Nothing. If it could have been, Jesus wouldn't have had to have died for our sins. But this servant, after being freed, turned around and made his brother pay, called him in on his debt. But the cost of unforgiveness is great. Do you see what happened to this man? Thrown into jail to be tortured. Thrown into jail to be tortured. I want you to know that when you carry unforgiveness, that's where you live. And you can't get free of it. You can't. There's only one way to be free, and that's to forgive. And it's completely in your control. And it is within your ability. Remember, forgiveness is not saying to the other person, it's okay that you did that. That's not forgiveness. It's saying I release you of it. Based on Jesus Christ and how much he loves me. And that he's commanded me to do it. And really it's so that I can be free. I'm going to forgive you really in a selfish reason. It's not selfish because it's the Lord's desire for you to be free. And for you to be able to walk free. But will, will you set this person free? You have to forgive from your heart, not just your lips. Sometimes it starts with your lips, and then it moves into your heart. I have, I have forgiven people so many times that I didn't mean it the first time. Can anybody agree? Bless you, my son. That was my son. Sometimes it takes a few times. Well, Lord, how many times do I need to forgive him? Well, I'm glad you asked. Matthew 18. Peter came to Jesus and said, How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. What's he saying? As many times as it takes. Whatever it takes. However many times it takes. I think one translation says 70 times 7. I'm sorry? 
Yeah. Regardless, as I said, however many times it takes. Because mo- a lot of times it takes more than one shot. I need, I need more than one bullet in my gun. Right? I need probably more than six. Depends on how bad I hurt or how bad I feel. But what's funny is the more times I tell you that I forgive you or I tell you in my heart that I forgive you between me and God, God starts to mend that hurt. I can tell you that I have a hard time moving forward with people in a relationship if I'm holding unforgiveness toward them. Those of you that are more close to me realize if there is a problem, I'm going to talk to you about it. I'm going to talk to you about an issue I have with you, and I'm going to talk to you about an issue that you have with me. Sometimes it's very awkward, but at least we get it out of the, out of the open. Can I tell you that awkwardness keeps you from getting through relationship? Get over the awkwardness and get to the root of what the problem is. I have a hard time sleeping when I don't forgive. Some people start to get pain in their shoulders. Are you hurting in unforgiveness? I understand. It is a real hurt. It's a biblical hurt. It is real. And you need to be free of it. Release yourself. It's the one who holds unforgiveness that suffers. Y'all hear me? It's not the one that did the wrong. It's the one that holds the unforgiveness. That's the one that suffers. Keep forgiving. Why? To make sure you stay free. You're the beneficiary of your forgiveness. How many times do I forgive? As many times as it takes. But you know, somebody called me recently to say, and it's someone that I've had a broken relationship with, to say, this person just called and said, I just need to ask you to forgive me. And I said, praise God, I forgave you a long time ago. But I was the one that had done the hurt in this person's eyes, so I didn't go confront him on it. I just was, was waiting and praying and saying, Lord, I forgive, and I ask you, Lord, for a chance to be forgiven. And this person called me and said, will you please forgive me? And I said, yes, but can I ask you something? Will you please forgive me? I need that. I need you to let me free of that. And I need you to to be free of it. I'm not going to do that to you again. I want to reestablish a relationship even if we don't. Let's be free. It's such a powerful thing when you genuinely go to your spouse or to your family member or to to your church member or someone, someone that you've heard and say, will you forgive me? I'll tell you, it'll melt the hardest heart. Can anybody say amen? Imagine what our lives would look like, what our families and our churches looked like if we modeled forgiveness in our homes, in our church, in our community, in our relationships. Can you imagine what it would look like? I can't imagine. I can't imagine. You can forgive. We all say, I can forgive. I can forgive. It's not based on your hurt or your feelings or your emotions. It's a decision and a command 
with promises of forgiveness, of freedom. You release that person spiritually. You are allowing a spiritual stronghold to captivate you when you hold on to forgiveness. And I want to encourage you, forgive right now. Do it now. Start that process of just saying, I forgive so-and-so. I forgive whomever today. It's February 1st, almost Groundhog Day, 2015. I forgive. I release this person. Lord, I don't want them to do it again to me, but I release them. I release them from this bitterness in my heart. Lord, uproot this root of bitterness in my heart and set me free. I forgive. And Lord, I ask you to protect me from future hurts, pains, and struggles from that person. I ask you to set me free from the bondage and the change and the damaging effect that unforgiveness has had on me. Get this roadblock out of your way and move forward. As, my, my, as I close and, and the musicians come up, I want you to know that as you forgive, you per- position yourself for hope. You p- position yourself for freedom and to be able to see the purpose that God has for you. Your, gr- your, your growth has been stunted because of your unforgiveness. Let's start by forgiving this week. Father, I thank you for setting me free. Lord, let's just pray together. I thank you, Lord, for setting this church free. We just receive you right now, Jesus, as our Lord and Savior. And Lord, I just ask you to just show us this bitterness that we have in our heart. And give us the strength and the courage to out of our mouth say, I forgive this person. We're going to focus on the Lord right now for just a moment as we sing. And I want, to, I want you to let the words of this song sink in. And as it sinks in, I want you to consider forgiveness. Not based on that person and not based on your hurt. Not based on your feelings, but based on the Lord. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Right now is the time. Don't think of this as a command. Think of this as an opportunity to let go, to be free, to begin to grow again. Who do you need to forgive? As y'all stand up with us and we sing, let's forgive. Church, God has done his thing. It's time for you to move. Amen. Those that are ministering, come on down. The altar is open for any prayer. But right now, the first minute or two, I want you to focus on forgiveness. If you need to pray with someone about forgiveness, I want you to come up here and let us pray with you. It's time to be free.
Father, I thank you that you're good, that you are the original forgiver, Lord, that you are the one who originally invented forgiveness, that, that God, you made a way for us back to you through Jesus when it was us that did you wrong. And Father, I thank you for your heart of forgiveness. And now I pray that that same heart would be found in us that call you Father. Let us look like and act like and speak like your children, Father. That's what we ask right now. I pray that this word that Pastor Paul's brought would go down deep in us and that would impact us, that it would change the way that we live. Father, I pray that your words would be resounding in our hearts as we walk out these doors right now and go about our lives. Lord, I pray that this would stir around in us in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna challenge you, church. I wanna ask you a question before we leave today. What will you do with the word that you just heard just now? What will you do with what you just heard? I wanna challenge you starting right now to find something to do 
with the word that you just heard about forgiveness. Go fill in the blank with somebody today. Don't, don't wait another second. Do something with what you've heard. We're gonna be doers of the word, not just hearers at Church on the Hill, amen? Amen, you guys have an awesome week. Go find a Sunday school to get plugged into. Uh, have a great, great day.